Matsu, 4v2. Celso for Son. For Kane. Oh. Classic Jose Mourinho. Classic Harry Kane. 2-0. He becomes the all-time record goalscorer in North London derbies. He scores his 250th goal for club and country. And his 100th home goal for Tottenham which takes and Liverpool lead Bobby Firmino catch him if you can a massive goal a huge leap a dagger to Jose's heart Dickinson, man with a proven goal-scoring record on this ground. And this is pivotal in the Premier League for Everton. And he rolls it past Alisson, who went the right way, and Everton lead at Anfield by two goals to nil. Milan, it's Lucas Moura, it's Lamella, he's got in. Eric Lamella has arrived with a goal. Good pick-up by Regular. Alexander Arnold's a wonderful cross, and it's produced. A goal-scoring header from Diogo Jota, who hurts Arsenal again. And you just think... Down to Phil Foden. He goes and wants one himself and has got one! And that tops it off. That's a fantastic strike from a fabulous young footballer. Phil Foden at Manchester City. Phil Foden. Actually going to be Bruno Fernandes! It is quite magnificent. That is pinpoint perfect from Bruno Fernandes and Manchester United lead again. Tidy control there by the, uh, the Levante player. Pressure still on. And Demi sends it across. It's a great chance and it's in the back of the net. And for the second time tonight, North Macedonia lead away in Germany. And this time it's Elivel Mas who scored the goal. He's on, sir. Cross towards the far post. Grasco coming in. 2 0 Atletico Madrid. Throws again there. Oh, they scored. It's Justin Clyburn after a real mix up in the Manchester United penalty area. David De Gea couldn't get there. And Justin Clyburn might just have eliminated United from this season's Champions League. Hello and welcome to the St Martin's Football Show. Well, on today's show, we'll be looking back at the final match day from the group stage of Euro 2020. They saw Wales take on Italy, obviously Wales in the driving seat in Group A to go through as well. England play uh, 
Czech Republic, sorry, and Scotland play Croatia as well. Obviously, Scotland knowing they needed a victory. And then in Group F and E, or any four teams could qualify out of that group as well. But there was a bit of drama, especially in Group F, which we'll touch on later. As normal, I'll be joined by the normal three. Lloyd Bounds, Alex Daisley and Max Noon. And to talk Spain, I'll be joined by Mr Lopez. But we'll start off on Sunday then, which saw Group A, our country, Wales, take on Italy um, in Rome as well. It was, a, say it was a decent performance. It kind of was. We only reduced Italy to that one goal um, in the end as well. Brilliant ball from Verratti and a brilliant finish um, from Penicina, um as well. And then Ethan Ampadu got a red card, possibly a bit harsh, you could some say as well but you know we got us through in the end on goal difference um to was it two goal difference to um switzerland in the end i mean we got the job done didn't we lloyd through to the knockout stages now uh yeah well i'm not going to come as it was a good performance against italy but then it's like uh, no one's actually expecting one anyway so like this is Italy instead of favorites there's a like I think you said the red card. I think it was insanely harsh, very unlucky. And hopefully we're going to appeal everybody for the next game. 100% agree on, on that as well. But as you said, got the job done. Italy made a lot of changes, which annoyed you, didn't it, Alex? The, the changes you wanted to a bit of a rant at? Oh, I'm just annoyed. I, I, I really am. And I've been... In the last couple of weeks, I've been digging out my old Panini sticker albums going back to, you know, 86, 90. You just don't rest players. When has this happened? This is this is another stain on modern football. Why? You've know, you, you, you got to play like a Mowbray, right? You, you know, you go for the golden boot in a major tournament. Now, you know and I know, you win a golden boot, and they'll talk about it forever. A guy like I won it in 86, he doesn't stop talking about it. It can make or break careers. Why? They make so many changes. It just annoys me. Yeah, but resting. A lot of them have played all season. I don't care. You're playing in a major tournament for your country. You do not rest anybody. And don't, you don't rest that many. It really annoyed me when I saw the, the, the thing. Because when you look back at these and try to explain to your kids, well, yeah, Mobley had two goals in the tournament. He didn't get top score. He didn't play against Wales because he was tired. What? I, oh, no, it just winds me up. It really annoys me. And I, I honestly think... You know, when you, when you look now at, at the different groups, as we'll talk about later, will it? I hope a team that hasn't made these amount of changes goes on and wins a tournament purely because this resting of players after what two games is it's criminal for me, absolutely criminal. This is the major, major thing of your career. You play the European Championship. It's only the World Cup is the only thing better you can play in. And to me, to rest players is. It's, it's, it's disrespectful. It, it's, 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 just, it's just wrong. It, it's absolutely wrong. And especially when you can make five subs these days in games, there's no need for it. I, as if I was a, a mobile, I'd be absolutely devastated. I want to play. Well, Italy, Italy took off Donnarumma, uh, didn't they? With yeah. Two minutes to go. I, I was shouting at the telly. It's not a, I won't say the words, but it's not a friendly. You know, it's, it's like, it was like a testimonial game. I just couldn't. I was I was fuming. I was absolutely fuming. It really took the the rub off it for me, and I I think it, it's just wrong. I, I'm really disappointed in the whole setup of 
of this type of, of rest. And, you know, rest one or two players, okay, if they kind of knock, if they kind of yellow card. I understand that completely, especially when you pick up a yellow card these days just for breathing. And I, I appreciate that. But not resting that amount of players. I think it was it was Italy that annoyed me. Um, I'm not sure the other two teams that made the host of change. Netherlands. It was a Netherlands. They annoyed me. And uh, no, there was there was another team I think who made quite a host of changes. I'm not sure. Which Belgium. Was it, yeah, they didn't make. Did they make that many? Um, to Belgium. And, they, and they're trying to get players back for fitness, so I can sort of understand it. But I'm not. I'm not condoning it. It's wrong. Spain and I know made a few changes. I know no, they can... no, Spain should have though. Like they did have good performances. Yeah. We've said about Mings saying he shouldn't get dropped, no. and then he did get dropped. Which I, I really didn't like. No, I agree. Listen, Italy played. Italy played twenty-five out of the twenty-six like players that they they brought in the in the group stage. So it's only one that hasn't played. Yeah, the third choice keeper. <laughs> I suppose he didn't bring him on for the last yeah. you know, two minutes after it. It was just disrespectful to me, and I I just think Why? I'm not I'm not one of these people who say that when you rest a whole team in the Premiership because they're all professional players. I'm well, I'm not saying for one minute that they're not. You know, they're all top players, these guys, all in these, especially the bigger nations. But for me, I just think you don't rest your players when you're only playing a three-match group. I just thought it was it was very poor. And as Leon knew, I was very disappointed. Very disappointed. <laughs> um, as well, we say about Italy before we, we just sat about Wales. I mean, what a record they got. They haven't conceded in 100 in a, sorry, a hundred, a thousand minutes. They've gone 30 games and beaten 11 straight clean sheets, 32 goals without a reply. I mean, Mancini's doing a remarkable job at Italy, isn't he, um, Max? Yeah, um, yeah, I think he's a, he is a good manager. Obviously, he had success in the Premier League. He, he has, he's a good manager, and I think, more importantly, he's a good squad as well. Um, I think he's a very solid squad. and It's got, yeah, like I said, I think I said before, they have a great balance of youth and um, and experience as well. <clears throat> um, obviously, my only critique would probably be the pace in the centre backs, but um, yeah, I mean they have good experience and they're still great defenders. And the thing is, they've they've got you know quite a lot of talent that you know didn't even go. I think um, Zaniolo is as an example is injured, but I think he's an absolutely fantastic player uh, for Roma. Um, so you know, in tournaments in the future, and obviously I think he's 21 years old, maybe something around that. So in the future, they could uh, look even better, I think. And yeah, I think under Mancini, who is, you know, you see, you see managers, and maybe they're almost, um, uh, you know, like not necessarily rejects, but they're not top top quality. But I think Mancini, who is one of the exceptions, um, yeah, I think he is very good. Obviously, um, yeah, I think they're a great side. And you said Italy made eight changes, Alex. Sorry, um, can I just interrupt a minute? I agree with what Max said, but can someone Google the teams that Italy have played in? Because I think it's a bit of a red herring. Because when you look at Italy, they're always ranked number one in their group. Now, could you just Google the teams they've actually beaten or in any competitive yeah, games? I don't think it's as, it's as wonderful as, as you make out with the teams they played. Because I was fancy to beat 26 of the, of the 30 teams they've played. And I think it's a bit of a, a red herring. That the, the yeah, it's not a bad record to have, is not, it? Of course not. I'm not saying it's a bad record, but if you look at the teams they play, like, and they teams like like England, most major tournaments they qualify for, they always win their group games. So they, they so they, like recent, they, you know, you, and, so I'm not saying it's not impressive, but I don't think it's as impressive as as it's being made out to. Because like, literally, they could get to the quarterfinals of the Euros with, with playing Austria, Wales, Switzerland, and Turkey. 
Now, no disrespect, they're not exactly massive nations when you look at the teams that Hungary have just played in the previous uh, three games. So I think it, it, as much as they are good, I don't think they've been really tested by anyone in, in these. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm looking now, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, because yeah. there's no one that's really tested them as in, you know, your, your, your Germany's, your, your France's, well, your Belgium's. Their last, their last loss was in the 2018-19 to 19 Nations League when they lost to Portugal. And right, since yeah. then, they've, you know, they wouldn't say they got they drew with Portugal in no, the you, other game. You, you've got to be you know, positive. Like, got... I'm, not, I'm, not I'm not downplaying it, but I'm just saying I think it's a bit of a, especially by the press, I think it's a bit of a red herring that, that they're formidable, where they haven't been playing the quality of the teams that perhaps even Hungary have in the past. 10 days. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm not yeah, saying you, you, prob- you, know, you were probably, you were probably agree with that because like some of the teams, they have what, they played, beat San Marino 11-0, they played Lithuania, yeah. they played, you know, Moldova, right. and Estonia, <laughs> teams that, teams like that. Obviously, they you have still, played... You still got to beat them, don't get me wrong, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not and, and they, and to be fair, they have played the Netherlands, I'm looking in the list, Poland, they have played, you know, some decent teams. Yeah, yeah. In there as well, but as you said, not. So do, do, do you think if they do come up against, say, for example, they beat Austria, they go on to the quarters? I'm not sure who they're playing in the quarters. So if they come across, you know, across the top team, do you think they'll be they'll struggle? Is what I'm saying, Max. Do you think they might might be a bit of a culture <laughs> shock? I mean, I think they they do have the quality, but again, I would like to see. Um, I mean, it depends how they manage the game, but I would like to see obviously yeah. Mbappe against uh, Chiellini. I wouldn't yeah, know how yeah. he would cope yeah. with that. No. And you, yeah, you look at something like France, Portugal with quality all around the pitch. It's, it'd be interesting to see how they how, how they do. But don't get me wrong, I, I I'd accept that record for for any team. But I just thought the way the press have been talking about it, they they're building up like the you know the best team since the Argentinian '86 team or the French team in '98. And I'm thinking, well, that's a bit a bit misleading, should we say? They got to win the Euros probably to prove that, yeah, haven't they? Yeah, and they might, you know, they got a good chance. I'm not saying they, they won't win the Euros, but I don't know. I just thought, not what Max said was 100% right. I agree with everything he said, bang on. But the way some of the press have been talking about it, I think it's a, it's not really the the truth of it. It's like it's like saying, well, Man United have played in League Two and won every game. Well, you would expect that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Let's be fair, you would expect them to win most of the games. Surprised you didn't say, well, and Dolly going to social probably Oh, no, no, of course not. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> as well but on the other side Wales as we said Ethan Ampadu Red Cardi become the second youngest player to be sent off in a European Championship match as well uh, and he's the outright youngest to be shown a red card we had to talk about that as well but we you know the three major tournaments Wales have been in the 1958 World Cup we qualified to the knockouts got to the quarterfinals obviously knocked out by a certain um, young 17-year-old, probably, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time, Pele, when he's playing for Brazil. Semi-finals in 2016, last round of 16 now. I mean, can we reach the semi-final, Lloyd, and do what we did in 2016 or a final like we did when Alex were a member in 1958? Uh, I, think, I think this is a decent draw. Like, we definitely have the chance to, but it depends... Well, it depends who who shows up, really. Uh, I'd, I'd obviously love that to happen. I think this is probably... Well, I, I think it has worked out quite well. Like, I, I was quite negative about our, our group stage games. Uh, I know, like, a decent amount of people we... Uh, but I, I think we could... I, I think we could get to the quarters. 
I did want to say it because obviously we've got to beat Denmark first. But I think if we can beat Denmark, I would put, as we'll see later, Netherlands to beat Czech Republic. I can't see why we can't beat Czech Republic. Um, as, as we'll prove in, in the next clip as well. As you two will know, I was on uh, 606 speaking to um, Chris Sutton. Obviously, give me a bit of stick last time with our Mason Greenwood incident as well. But um, here's me on 606 talking about how brilliant Wales have been so far and giving some credit to Robert Page. So as he said, a brilliant, and as I said there, a brilliant performance for Wales as we go on. But for Switzerland, they had to have won the third place um, best teams. Well, they did beat Turkey 3-1. No, Shakiri scoring two, Zuba with all the assists and Savic scoring as well. Typical that Shakiri scores as well, especially when you add him in your fancy, but you play your limitless and you take Shakiri out and then he scores two as well. But I mean, what has gone wrong for Turkey, Lloyd? I mean, you know, you lot bigged them up and said they're going to be dark horses, finished possibly second or third. I mean, I was the only one, I think, to put them bottom. I mean, what is what happened to them this Euros? I, I, I'm still fine. I'm fine with my prediction. On paper, they should have done really well. Like, you look at the squad they have, it's quite balanced. Their players have just going to win the league in France. Like, this is a really good team on paper. But I think, I, I don't think I really took into account how much they've played like I said then I think it's the three players it's two or three from Lille who've just gone and won the league but then I, th- I think a lot of them were like they did look really tired in some of the games like particularly against Italy I thought they looked really tired I don't, they just haven't really clicked really like like they have the quality like the team's quite balanced like it, it, just, it just didn't really work like I think it is just a combination of a few things like tiredness as well, but as you said, a really disappointing um, Euros for Turkey. So Group A finished then, Italy on nine points, Wales on four, Switzerland on four, a goal difference for Wales, a plus one, Switzerland minus one, but they did get a third place team, as we'll read out later, and Turkey finished, scoring one goal, conceding eight, goal difference of minus seven on zero points. And then on the Monday, you had the early game, which was in Group C, the two games at 5 o'clock in Group C. North Macedonia up against the Netherlands. And North Macedonia did all their own, to be fair to them, um, as well. But they couldn't keep Netherlands out. Depay scoring one and Jeannie Wijnaldum getting um, two goals as well. Um, so, brilliant performance for um, Holland. But, Max, you know, you predicted Macedonia comes second. I mean, to be fair to them, you know, they have missed a chance. They've had a few goals ruled out. Pandev, I think he's played about 120 odd times. That was his last ever appearance. I mean, they've given a good account of themselves, haven't they, this European Championships? Yeah, um, obviously, I, I took a liking to them. Um, it's, it's good to see teams um, from nations you, you, know, you wouldn't usually see uh, in, in the, these tournaments. It's good to see them. Um, and yeah, it's, it obviously, you know, it, it is against them. It always it does go against them. Uh, to, to you know maybe have a worse squad but you know I think for lots of these teams just being there um, and showing desire I think that's all, all you need and um, hopefully uh, they did uh, their country proud yeah as well and I suppose like a lot of people said probably in North Macedonia they'll probably be okay they hadn't won a game but they've scored a few goals and they're probably considered as heroes now and they for even get into the European Championship and Hopefully for them, they can, you know, build the next generation. We can see them at a, a European Championship or, a, dare I say, a World Cup in the future as well. And one team that 
you know, you could say possibly building for the future. You know, they've got a few older players. They were Austria. They beat Ukraine 1-0. A very scrappy game. Ukraine were, were poor, really, considering they had to win it to go through. Um, but they did reach the, the knockout stages for the first time, did Austria um, as well. They had a few chances and Autovic was back after his ban um, as well. But, you know, it was enough and not really much to talk about in that game, um, really. But as we said, um, brilliant for Austria um, as well. They got through the groups of the 1978 and 1982 World Cup, but both tournaments featured a second group stage Um which means their uh, knockout game on Saturday against Italy, Italy at the major tournament in 67 years will be um, their first since finishing third in 1954 World Cup. You'll remember the days when they had a second group stage when you, Alex, 1982? Uh, well, that was my the first World Cup I watched when I was four years old, but I can't really remember if I'm honest. But um, yeah, I do. <laughs> do you, second group stage, explain, you know. Why did they use that? Do you know? Oh, remember? To be fair, I, it's all a bit confusing. I, I don't really know what, what they did, but a lot of the World Cups, obviously, I think from 86 was the first one they, they did the groups, and then obviously the second rounds and the the quarters. But I think in those days, it was completely different. Like I said to you, when you were watching the World Cup, you wouldn't see all the games. you just literally see the England games, the Scottish games. They wouldn't show them all that they are now. I remember 86 World Cup. They started showing all the games and everyone was sort of wowed because you could see, I think, like Iran play Iraq or South Korea play. And it was, you never often knew these players because they literally, as soon as you got them with your Panini sticker album, that's the only time you knew them, you know? And it was Italian 90, for example. If you looked at the Cameroon team of that tournament, you didn't know them at all, but you knew them after that tournament. Whereas these days, I think the element of surprise is gone, isn't it? With the. You know, you know some Macedonia players now, like Pandev. Obviously, we yeah, like, a lot of people knew Alioski from the Premier League with Leeds. Yeah, but, but they wouldn't, it wouldn't know, be a Pandev. You, you could probably watch every league in the world now, I'm assuming, on some channel. I'm assuming if you wanted to follow the Azerbaijan Division 1, you could probably watch that somewhere, couldn't you? I'm, I'm assuming if you want to pick up the South Korea, is it J-League or whatever they call it, you, you yeah. could watch that. Whereas years ago, literally... In '86, you know, literally, you had you didn't have live football. It was literally once, once every couple of weeks. You know, it was it's incredible now the coverage compared to what it was, and it was great to see, you know, for me. But it's and that was sort of my argument a bit for the plane at the same time, you know, and that was sort of. But the, we'll leave that to later for good. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just saying that the coverage now is just phenomenal. But literally, when you stick, when you look at those sticker albums now, you you, you do know most of the players, or you would have heard of most of the players. Whereas years ago. You didn't have a clue. You know, I remember opening my 1990 sticker album and, you know, Cameroon didn't pay him a second, didn't even look at them. But then they beat Argentina first game 1-0. Had two players sent off, one for a kick literally in, in Kanija's shoulder. It was that high. And I managed to get up that high. And, you know, they made the tournament for me. And, and that's the memories that hopefully you guys will take, you know, in 20 years' time is the North Macedonia story, you know. Yeah, as you said, brilliant to see them together. Um, but Group C did finish with Holland, fin- or the Netherlands finishing top on nine points, Austria on six, Ukraine on three, and North Macedonia on um, zero points as well. And then going into the other games, it was on Monday in Group B going into it. 
Well, I suppose all, well, it was the same in there. Any four teams could have qualified. Belgium were on six, Russia was on three, Finland was on three, and Denmark, who, you know, was bottom. A lot of people, including myself, as you heard earlier, were saying the Wales were going to be playing Belgium. Uh, sorry, Wales are going to be playing Finland or Russia. How much, you know, including myself, and I'll admit it, thought... You know, it'll be a e- quite easy tying onto the quarterfinals, but it's far from it now because Denmark went from bottom to second. That's how tight the group was because they beat Russia 4-1. Damsgaard scoring in the 38th minute, brilliant shot, and then Paulson scoring as well. Then Russia won a penalty, Drusba scoring in the 70th minute. Andreas Christiansen of Chelsea scoring an absolute worldie, and then they wrapped it up in the 82nd minute, Mihaila. Um, for Denmark as well, uh, Pierre Amiohoibier getting two assists. I mean, where did this? You know, well, I I don't know what to say really. Don't think anyone expected Denmark to to finish in the second place, did they, Max? Considering where they were in the group. Well, I don't know. I, I, obviously, it wasn't ruled out. Ruled out. Um, and you probably would have bet against it, but obviously, the Denmark people would have predicted for the, them to finish second at the beginning of the tournament. And um, obviously after the tragedy that, that happened, um, it was kind of a make-or-break moment uh, for them. Uh, uh, and I think that they ended up proving that, you know, it made them stronger. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it did look like, you know, it, it looked like the odds were sacked against them a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, they do have a good squad. They, they definitely had the second-best squad. Um, uh, and I think that, that kind of did prove itself uh, in the end. Yeah, as well. So brilliant for Denmark to go for us. You said rightly so. After all, um, the tragedy they went through um, so far this tournament as well. And then the other game, Finland didn't do enough really. They hang on for 75 minutes, but a Hideki home goal. And then De Bruyne, brilliant pass and a brilliant finish to be featuring from Romelu Lukaku. Secured um, nine points from three games for Belgium. They finished top of the group as well. And then, as we said, the other teams, Denmark, Finland with Russia, were all tied on three points and head-to-head points as well. So we went down to head-to-head goal difference when Denmark had a plus two, Finland zero, and Russia minus two is the way they got um, separated as well. So a really dramatic um, Group B um, ending, I suppose, on... Um, Monday night now and then on Tuesday was it was involving the two British nations in Group D. Scotland knew they had to beat Croatia if they wanted to go through as probably at the time one of the third best teams and then England knew to finish top of the group they had to beat Czech Republic while Czech Republic knew they only had to draw um, to finish top of the group as well and cause an upset and Croatia sorry had to also win that. And we'll start off with the Scotland game then. Croatia did win that 3-1. Scotland were by far the better team, probably the first half, you would say, as well. They had their chances again, missed them, which cost them, I suppose, this tournament over the three games. Vlasic put Croatia ahead after 17 minutes, obviously ex-Everson player. And then Callum McGregor scoring in the 42nd minute as well to get Scotland's first tournament goal in 23 years. Then a brilliant... Pass from um, Kovacic, but that wasn't the main talking point of the goal. It was a brilliant outside-the-foot strike from Luka Modric. And then Ivan Perisic um, 
getting the goal in the 77th minute to wrap it up as well. Modric with the uh, assist there. So Croatia's probably three main players, Perisic, Kovacic and Modric, all involved in in the goals. I mean, it's, it's heartbreak for Scotland, isn't it, Alex? You'll remember 23 years ago when he was last in the tournament. They've waited all this time and really, you could say they have been the better team in possibly in, in all three of the games. They just haven't taken their chances. No, I yeah, agree 100%. It's quite frightening, really, if you put someone perhaps, I don't know, with the quality of perhaps, you know, a, a Lukaku in their team, you were suggesting they would have gone through. They, you know, what I saw, that you know, that, that's what they're going to have to work on in the next sort of years if they do qualify, is the fact they have to take their chances. I thought they, some of their finishing was so poor, but they had some great chances, you know. I think they should have beaten England. I think they definitely should have beaten Czech Republic with the start they had. Could have been 2-0 up after 20 minutes. And again, Croatia, um, Everyone wrote them off saying, you know, how old they are and how poor they were after England sort of completely controlled them. Are we all underestimating England's performance there? Because people say, oh, Croatia, they're just a team this age, blah, 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 blah. But they, let's be fair, they, they ripped Scotland apart and now they've got to play, they got to play um, Spain to go through. So are we all sort of underestimating what England did against them? Because, you know, they were... England totally dominated Croatia so um, yeah but for Scotland they've got to go back to a drawing board I think they'll be happy they qualified and um, see if they can keep doing it but I don't know as I said the players are are decent and obviously missing Billy Gilmore which was a bit of a blow for the money to be fair he had such a good game against against England his confidence was probably buzzing not saying he would have made the difference because I don't think he's, he's that good yet but it would have been I think they knocked their confidence a little bit. So, um, see what happens next time with them, though. But it's perhaps good if you had a few, if you were thinking of putting a few fantasy players in from Scotland into your Premiership team to still get a bit of a rest now, aren't they? Well, as you said about Billy Gilmore, um, you know, really gutting for him that he did test positive on the Monday morning um, for COVID 19 as well. He had to isolate for 10 days as well, meaning Ben Chilwell and Mason Mount, who were seen hugging after the game with him also had to self-isolate, meaning they missed the England game as well. But one, I suppose, positive, especially Callum McGregor can take as well, becoming the first Scottish player to score at the Euro since 1996 when Ali McCoist did it against um, Switzerland as well. Do you know they went 46 shots without scoring this Euros? you know that? 46 shots without without scoring, which is quite, as you said, quite remarkable, isn't it, considering... Yeah, how, many was on, how many was on target, Leon? Do you know how many was on target? No, I can day one time. Just yeah, says I don't 46. think it would be many, would it? I don't think. No. <laughs> as well, but obviously heartbreak for Scotland um, as well. One nation it wasn't heartbreak for was England. They got the job done, beating Czech Republic 1-0. Another boring game, boring performance from England. They did recall Jack Green this show, who was brilliant, putting a brilliant ball for Raheem Sterling in back post. Raheem Sterling scoring. As well, obviously England have only scored two goals this tournament, both by Raheem Sterling. I just, I just think about England. On paper, they've got a squad that can win the Euros, but I, I don't think they will win the Euros because of their manager. I just think he's too defensive. He doesn't play the right, the right team. It's nothing excites me, and I, I think you put, you know, Chris Sutton on six of six. Scotland are a better team than Wales. I don't know what he's watching. Scotland are a good team. Wouldn't put them as good as Wales. Few players will obviously Scotland players will get in the Wales team. But I just, I honestly, if Wales played England, I I think we could beat them. 
in in a one-off game, if we play them, I think we can play them in the semi-final. I think we can do it, and that's why, like I'll say later, I think Germany will beat England because they're just so poor. Harry Kane, he's been poor. Whether or not, obviously, the transfers on his mind, whether he'll be leaving or, or what's going on. Obviously, Sterling's been brilliant. I think he's only the second player to score in each of England's first two goals at the Euro tournament after Alan Shearer in 1996, but it's just nothing about England. Am I being too negative, or am I correct there, Lloyd? Uh, I, I kind of agree with some of the points you make, but I think you are probably being a bit negative. Like, I think Southgate, it gets a little criticism for playing too defensive, but then, like, like you're in tournament football. Like, this is knockout stuff. I think you do kind of need to have the handbrake on a bit. Like, what, there are three kind of shoots in a row? Yeah, I think they could be scoring one. I think with their talent, you could probably say that they should be the ones to take the game there, uh, be the ones to set the tempo. Uh, yeah, like, they probably could do that, but I, I, I think he sets up quite well sometimes. Like, uh, sometimes, like, in the first game, when he put Trippier left back, there's stuff like that was just kind of just explainable. Like, the, there was no reason to do that at all. But then, like... Uh, I would like the inclusion of Tyron Mings for, for a bit at the start. Uh, I like that he's given the right backs a chance. Uh, I think he's done quite well so far. And uh, like he, he took Kane off at half time, uh, just after half time as well. Uh, I think I think you give him a lot of criticism. I think I really like him a bit too much, but I think that's also because England don't really go far under him. Uh, but I'd, I'd I'd probably say he's a bit underrated. It gives a bit too much hate. Nah. And don't get me wrong, a lot of people say, well, England reached the semi-final, okay, and I know you're saying, well, you've only got to beat the teams in front of you, blah, 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 but they did have the easiest route, didn't they, if I'm being Colombia, okay, they had, well, they had Carlos Baca who's coming to the end of his career, Falcao, James Rodriguez hadn't been playing that much, I think he was at Bayern at the time, Sweden, you'd expect them to beat Sweden, Croatia, you would have even expected them to beat Gracious already, they should have been in the final against France. So I just, I know, like I said, you'll say, well, you know, you should, well, I say, yeah, you should be beating them teams and you can only beat the teams in front of you. I just, I think England been poor in all their games. They, they were poor against Croatia. They should have lost to Scotland and he was poor against Czech Republic. But I just, I don't know, I think they've got to have a massive wake up call. He's got to get his spot on against Germany, as, think, as we said last week about High Maguire. That you know, you said, oh, they probably won't, they shouldn't drop Tyrone Mings. He did take the bold move, but what do you think, Max? I was just say, I think in tournaments, I don't know if, I mean, they they're playing, they are playing boring football, but I don't think you can be poor if you win. Because again, all you need to do in, in tournaments is win. Um, and I, I don't know, it depends. Uh, obviously, I don't think we'll be able to actually comment on it until they play, you know, a big team who brings the game to them. Because at the moment, they've just had the, the ability to control the game a little bit too much. And maybe when a team comes out and plays them, they did look poor. And I think it, an example where they they specifically did look poor was um was Scotland, obviously. Um, but you can obviously say that it's part of his game plan to try to kill the game and and play quite boring football. Um, but yeah, I don't know whether calling them poor is is, is justified, but. In terms of watching them, they are definitely poor. Um, I think, you know, obviously probably playing some of the boring football I've ever seen. But in terms of, you know, getting results, you know, they've, they've shown that they've been able to do it. Um, uh, obviously winning the group. Um, and, yeah, we'll have to see how they play against a big team to actually make the uh, make the judgment, I think. As you said, you know, as you, I think you very good point there. You have to see 
how they do against the big team. But I just, you know, do you want to be too negative? I just don't have belief in in England to, to go on and win the Euros. That's why I don't think football, unfortunately, will be coming on. But obviously, Gareth Southgate might prove me wrong. And England fans listening will certainly hope he does that. But, you know, at the minute, the performances we've seen, you just, it doesn't hold much hope for me that England will go on and then lift the European Championship title on, what, the 10th of July um, as well. But they got the job done, as you said. They finished top of their group as well, seven points. Croatia finished second on four points. They was level with Czech Republic, who was also on four. They were tied on head-to-head results. Obviously, finished 1-1. And overall goal difference was both plus one. So, overall goals was used. As the tiebreaker, Croatia scoring four goals to Czech Republic's three, and Scotland finished bottom of the group on um, one point as well. So in Group E, then obviously Spain's group it involved um, well all four teams could have qualified going into the last round. Spain played against Slovakia, and Sweden played against Poland. Before we talk about Spain, we'll talk about the Sweden Poland game. Very dramatic. Went down to the 94th minute. Fosberg put Sweden ahead after two minutes. Another assist for Isaac. And then Kuliseski got two assists. Um, Fosberg scoring one. And then in the 94th minute to secure Sweden top of the group, it was Klaassen as well. Lewandowski scoring twice for Poland. I mean, Max, obviously Sweden, a lot of people, you know, I think I tipped them to come third in the group. They've gone and won the group. I mean, this is a massive surprise. Yeah, yeah, it's really impressive. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's testament to, to, uh, to the team that they've... They have a the only, the only criticism. I think they, they're you know, quite a boring team to watch, but you know in these these tournaments it doesn't really matter as long as you can get the result. That's uh, that's what counts, and they, they've shown that they can do that. And Lloyd, I mean, I think you and Max said the Poland would finish third. No one put them bottom. I don't. Know. You might put them bottom. We'll have a look in in a bit. But I mean, it's all just gone horribly wrong for Poland, isn't it? This Euros. Oh yeah, like the, the, none of their team would go going until about the end. Like like you can look at Lewandowski, like the first few games he, he didn't really do anything, and then like he he played amazing with Sweden, but it's like like where was it at the start when it was needed? Like it's all good doing it in the last game, but what about the first two? Yeah, spot on there. But obviously Sweden go on and win the group as well. And in the other um, group game, Mr Lopez, as people know from the last two shows, was very, well, I say very critical, disappointed in the way Spain have been playing as well. And possibly they might have um, redeemed themselves as they beat Slovakia 5-0. Slovakia hang hang on for the first half hour um, after Avaro Morata missed a penalty, a shocking penalty in the 12th minute. (laughs) And then um, Drabavka... Well, you know, he went from hero to zero, really, because bit and you could say he's a bit unlucky for his own goal, but you know, quite poor. And then Laporte scoring just for half time, and he all went downhill for Slovakia there. Um, Torres, and it was another own goal um, on the score sheet. Moreno, Alaba, and Cerebro also scored as well. I mean. Okay, you would say, Mr. Lopez, we were having a chat earlier, it is Slovakia. Decent Slovakia team has done well in the group, but you've got through second in the group and, okay, some goals going form, I guess. Okay, yeah, I was disappointed. Um, I'm still being very critical about um, the team. I, I don't think we achieved anything, seriously, and I still have the same doubts about it. The reason why we managed to... to solve this match is because the keeper 
own keeper's own goal is one of the most stupid goals I've ever seen in my life. You know, it was like LeBron James Duncan, you know. It, unbelievable. Never seen something like that. If it wasn't because of that, I don't think we will have a score. Because obviously Slovakia then had to open the, 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 the field uh, and we were more comfortable with that. But as long as we have Morata playing in that team, I have no hopes for it. And I cannot see the Croatian uh, keeper opening the, the, the she score for us, you know, Leon. Uh, still have a lot of doubts. And I think you are, as we say, as I said before to you, I think you are way more optimistic than I am. I mean, okay, it was, as you said, you have been, let's say, poor. And obviously, Marata, he revealed earlier that he's had a lot of threats from the um, Spanish fans and the press and what have you as well. But I mean, Who's really going to replace Morata up front? Okay, as he said, he hasn't got the clinical edge, and I did possibly tip him for the golden boot, but we'll pass on that. Um, I mean, who have you got to replace him realistically? I the issue here is Luis Enrique is not uh, willing to change his system. Is he always plays this the same way he plays, no matter what, no matter what players are, are um, playing better. He's just so, so stubborn that he's not willing to sit Morata and change and go for to uh, four, four, two maybe or, or play in a different way. Um, and I think he does it, I don't know, just to, to prove a point to, to the media uh, and the fans in Spain. But I would play just with Gerard Moreno there and give him some space in... in uh, in the squad to Llorente up there in the right uh, as, a, as, a, as a right um, striker there because uh, Llorente is probably the best Spanish player and he's not even playing now and uh, you can get away against Slovakia but I would like to see what people say if we play against Croatia and we are kick out and we keep someone like Llorente you know in in, in the bench so I will sit Morata, Leon, and keep Ger- um, Gerard Moreno as our striker there. Oh, he has scored a few himself as well. But as you said, you go through to the next round against Croatia. One man as the had a much better game was Americ Report. Obviously, you said the other day that possibly could have been dropped or what have you as well. I mean, do you think that, OK, it's one game. I mean, some of your players that haven't been formed, Thiago was brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. As well, obviously, Liverpool, Laporte was brilliant um, as well. Do you think this could be possibly a kick on now that some of these players needed that, you know, it's, it's, from now on, it's not going to be easy if you want to go all the way? I mean, apart from my criticism, OK, I, I do understand these short tournaments. They depend a lot in, in, in mood, in, in, in feelings, really. So I think it was very important for the players. Um, and now, now maybe some of the um, players that disappointed and the performance was poor, like Laporta, uh, he, he could have done way more against Lewandowski there. Um, and other players like Sarabia, for example, they, they might now learn from, from this match. And, and now they, they kind of are not as um nervous or they they just don't feel now they don't have to prove a point because they they score they come from scoring five goals so hopefully against Croatia they will show uh, th- their better version as well obviously it is going to be a, 
a tough task um, for Spain as well. But as we said, you get the job done. You finish second in the group, which I know you said before that you possibly might not even do as well. But you have done it, which probably at this stage is the most important thing. So in Group E, you finish Sweden top on seven points, Spain on five, Slovakia on three. And going out to the European Championships are um, Poland as well. Obviously, yeah, a really disappointing um, tournament for them. In Group F, the final group, the most dramatic group, brilliant end to um, the group stage tournament was, well, England's opponents knew they played the runners-up in Group F because, as obviously we mentioned earlier, they won the group as well. But um, it changed eight times because for a bit, Hungary were in charge, uh, I say in charge, we're winning 1-0 and then it would switch again. Um and in the end, it finished as we started, basically, that um, France won the group, Germany second, Portugal third, and Hungary fourth. But we'll start off with Germany-Hungary um, at the Allianz Arena. I mean, Hungary, excellent performance. As I said, they went ahead after 11 minutes, and then they hang on in the 66-minute Kai Havit scoring. Um, brilliant balling from Hummels, and then... Hungary scored straight down the other end in the 68th minute, and then Leon Goretzka, a Leon saving Germany, like just to add that in, um, in the 84th minute, the secured a, a crucial goal for Germany um, to send them through altogether. I mean, you know, what a performance we could say from Hungary. I mean, they, they took Portugal all the way to the last 10 minutes, Alex. They took France all the way and got a point, and they've got another point against Germany and possibly should have won. No, incredible. To be fair, yeah, they they really were. Um, I think if they had gone through that group, they would have to. I think I renamed it one to eleven for my team at the group stage because that would have been just incredible. But they they played really well. To be fair, they you know they really battled. But I I haven't seen anything in Germany that's going to frighten you. I I I I think you can get it. I'm standing in England. It would probably no, frighten you. Agreed. Be a very I, disappointing, 100%. dull game. Hundred <laughs> percent agree, but. That's what I mean. I, I think a lot of these, how can I put it? I don't like, you know, saying it because I, I got to admit, if I'm brutally honest, that's the last um, day of the group stage Wednesday was probably one of the best days of tournament football I can ever remember. You yeah. know, Spain winning, you know, talked about Spain winning and we talked about the other groups. It was goal. It was fantastic. And I got no issue with that. I, I haven't. It was one of the best games of, you know, one of the best days of tournament football I can ever remember. But I still think there's a lot of average teams left in this competition. I really do. I, I, I'm not impressed by the Czech Republic. I don't think they're excited. Sweden do really? my nutting. Yeah, Sweden do my nutting. Ukraine do my nutting. Because I just don't think there is... Yeah, yeah they're organised, but that's all they are. There's, I'm not excited to watch those games. You know, I, I'm looking forward to the England-German game. I'm looking forward to the Wales game, obviously. Italy-Austria, but Ukraine-Sweden. Now... Whoever wins that, you know, again, you could have you could have Ukraine or Sweden in the quarterfinals of a major tournament. I, I don't know. I, I, I know it's a bit unlucky the way the groups have been set up, but I'm not. As I said, I I don't think the the quality has been there this tournament. It's been a great tournament to watch, but some of the corners there hasn't been a free kick scored yet, is there? In, in the whole group stages, right? No. Surely that's never happened in any other major tournament. I. I just don't understand where all the free kick takers have gone. You know, it just doesn't seem to be 
you know, anyone go down. But I also think the standard of goalkeeping has been probably the best I've ever seen in a tournament. Some of the saves have been absolutely fantastic. So we've seen a lot of own goals. Yeah, quite a few own goals. Loads of penalties misses, which I don't get. You know, I really don't understand that. And the goalkeepers have been fantastic. But I don't know. I, I, I what you say about England, I think they've done all they had to do. Like Portugal did in 2016. The rest, you know, if they go on and win the next three games, no one will even remember the group stages. Do you know what I mean? The same with Germany, the same with France. That haven't really, they haven't looked unbeatable, have they? France, you know, like you said, they've drawn two games and won one. So, but I think it's all forgotten now, and it all just starts again. And out of the 16 teams, I'm not going to write anyone off that could go all the way because I think, especially if you get well, anyone. I, I think if you can get. If you can get through, you know, you, what you could do is put 10 men behind the ball and go for penalties for the next three games, couldn't you? Like Portugal did in 2016, let's be honest. They were pretty negative. They, they didn't win a game to the semi-finals against us, did they, in normal time? Yeah. Which is phenomenal, really. So I'm not going to write off any team, but I, I don't know, perhaps... I'm hoping that France will come to the party properly. I'm hoping that Spain, you know, might arrive. I'm, you know, I'm hoping Germany, you know, England. I just hope it, it really hots up from now on, but I'm not too hopeful. I don't think it's going to be that expansive in the next couple of games, but I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> One player that did start for Germany has been brilliant. Obviously, disappointing season at Chelsea was Kai Havertz. Three games, two goals, zero assists now. Crucial to Germany, especially when they play England. And the other game in Group F finished 2-2 between Portugal and France. Um, it was only two goal scorers in it as well. Cristiano Ronaldo scoring two penalties. Karim Benzema scoring a penalty and in the 47th minute um, as well. And, do you know, there's a there's a stat. Alex, probably Lloyd and Max might know this, but Karim Benzema is only the second player in football history to score two goals in the same second. In the first half, he scored in the 46 minute and 44 seconds because it was obviously added time. And then he scored his second in the 46 minute and 44 seconds. That's remarkable, isn't it? That's, that is that's remarkable. Got, um, that's got to be one um, of the... Go on. Unbelievable stat, that is. I didn't even know that. That's incredible. It really is. What's the odds of that happening? I, I, I pulled the rabbit out the hat with that one, haven't I? You did. You did well, eh? i got to say. I, I, I'm actually very, very impressed with that, Leon. I think you've... Um... <laughs> You've stolen the show today for me with our stats. That's really quite impressive. I mean, that, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? The chances is. of that. That's just impossible. That's quite unbelievable. I thought you could say name the player that did it in 1954 or something or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that that's, that's a brilliant stat. And obviously, Quinn Benzema getting his first two goals for returning to France. And Cristiano Ronaldo got his two goals. It's 108th and 109th goal. Both on the penalty spot to equal Al Aldez or something rec- record set with Iran in 1993 and 2006. So you would imagine he could possibly break it this European Championship. But Max, start off with you. Portugal, do they look exciting and the quality we expected to have in the tournament? At the start of the tournament, sorry. Um, I mean, if I were to say yes or no, I'd probably say no. Um. In terms of what you know, what was expected of them, I think you know, people were expecting you know, big things. I think people were expecting, obviously, Bruno to be you know playing really, really well, and Ronaldo as well. Obviously, Ronaldo scored a lot of goals, but yeah, I mean, what you know, I expected from them. Um, I don't know if they, 
haven't really performed. I don't think they have. They have performed to their best of their ability. But you know, at the end of the day, like we were talking about in- with England, I mean, they managed to get results. Even the Hungary game, they weren't particularly incredible. But obviously, they they won three 0 anyway. Um, and they were you know particularly poor against Germany. Um, and against and against France, they weren't. They did they did look better against France, but obviously fortunate. Um, obviously, you know, scoring uh, uh, two penalties, obviously in the game to to draw two all, but. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely have the capacity to to do well. It's not like you know a Turkey situation where they've totally underperformed, but um, you know I think I think maybe they're just finding their feet and um, trying to maybe now they found their their best starting eleven. Obviously, they didn't start with Renato Sanchez, but I think when he's played, he's been absolutely fantastic and um, he's a must start um, for them in in the knockout knockout rounds. So yeah, I know I do. Whilst they haven't been maybe as good as they could have been, I don't think there's any worries about them. I would agree that Bruno Fernandes has been poor and obviously didn't start in that France game as well. But no, I, I think it's down to, obviously, at Man United, he is the main man. He's He is our best player and what have you. And obviously, in the Portugal team, he's not the main man. He's not the best player because they've got a certain Cristiano Ronaldo in the team. But for France, Lloyd, I mean, they've got another Man United player that isn't playing too bad, got his assist as well in that game. I mean, are they as... Do you think they've been disappointing in this group stage as we possibly imagined at the start of the tournament? Zid, obviously, France got another Man United player that's doing well in Paul Pogba in the midfield. I mean, obviously got his assist. Do you think that they've done well this group stage as, as we possibly would have thought at the start of the tournament? Uh, I think, well, I, I'm not really sure. Like, they obviously had the game against Hungary, which I, well, I, I'm not sure I, I want to count and talk about because it was kind of a freak kind of a freak game like I, I, I don't know I'm kind of torn if like Hungary deserved to win either because like uh, the fans dominate the ball they create better chances well, I think it did look like Hungary wanted it more uh, I, I think fans them will be, they, are, they haven't really been too convincing and I think the addition of Benzema that was very hyped up lots of people thinking saying oh well they have to win now like they're by far the favourites now but well, he hasn't actually added anything to the French team. Like, he's came in and basically had no effect on him. Like, I think he's been very overrated. Like, obviously, outside of the, outside the two goals with Portugal, where he very much redeemed himself. But I definitely think they've been underwhelming. And they aren't really my favourites anymore. But there's no one really that far forward. Like I think they're probably like, about the same level. I, I think I'd offer Italy. I really like Italy. I, I said it before, and well, they've gone a two three nils, and then really comfortable one nil with a completely rotated team basically. And France, they've just been really underwhelming. But then, like that's a France. Like you can be underwhelming, but like the individual quality they have is still like insane. So give you give you possibly on that. But as we said, the group stage has been brilliant, and it ended off. In brilliant style there. So the final group F standings were France at the top on five, Germany finishing second on four, Portugal four and Hungary finishing on two. We went down to head to head between Portugal and Germany, which obviously Germany won um, four two as well. So before we look at the top scores, the ranking of the third place teams there, Portugal finished top of that on four, Czech Republic four, Switzerland four and Ukraine got in on three. Um, there, so the teams missing out, Finland and Slovakia were the teams that finished, the two teams outside of the four best third place teams. 
So the tournament bracket looks like Belgium against Portugal and Seville, Italy, Austria in London in Wembley, France, Switzerland in Bucharest, Croatia, Spain in Copenhagen, Sweden against Ukraine in Glasgow at Hampden Park, England against Germany at Wembley, obviously London, Netherlands, Czech Republic in Budapest and in Amsterdam where unfortunately Wales fans can't travel and watch the game. So Denmark have got an extra allocation. Wales play um, Denmark as well. As we said about the, the top scorers in the tournament, Cristiano Ronaldo leads the way on five goals. There's a bunch of players on three. Patrick Schick of Czech Republic, Emil Forsberg of Switzerland, Romelu Lukaku um, uh, obviously, all them still in the tournament so far. Lewandowski, obviously, he's not going to win the Golden Boot. Three goals for Poland and G- Jorginho Wijnaldum is uh, an outsider on three goals. Obviously, them two goals against Macedonia. Be the, you've got the likes of Immobile, Depay have all scored two goals um, in the tournament. Benzema scored two as well. So anyone could probably, you know, it's got to be tough to chase. Um, Dan Ronaldo, but as we said, for the knockout fixtures, Wales play Denmark on Saturday at 5 o'clock, Italy, Austria at uh, 8 o'clock it is on Saturday, Sunday, two games, the Netherlands against Czech Republic at 5 o'clock, Belgium against Portugal, massive game at 8 o'clock as well. Then on Monday, two games again, Croatia, Spain at 5 o'clock, France against Switzerland at 8 o'clock. And then this small matter of England against Germany, five o'clock at Wembley before the, the uh, round of 16 ends in Glasgow as Sweden play Ukraine at eight o'clock on um, Tuesday as well. Obviously, I know I think Wales, Denmark and England, Germany being confirmed on BBC, but I'm unsure. On the other games as well, so it's been a, a really good group stage. So as we said, we've got our lineup for the knockout stage as well. We'll be predicting the knockout stages in a minute. But we'll, first of all, we're going to do our team of the tournament, or team of the tournament, team of the group stage, sorry, so far. Um, so should we start with, should we start off with you, Lloyd? Who's your team of the group stage? Well, no, we should do like all of our goalkeepers. and do. Like yeah, that. yeah, I agree. Well, okay, we'll, we'll do it. You get a bit of debate then as well. Okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. You kick off your goalkeeper. Uh, I'm quite torn at the moment. I've gone for, uh, I've gone for Donnarumma, but I'm not really sure. Me too. That's, uh, went, that's the one I thought. I went for Donnarumma as well, Max. I've had to um, back the main man, Danny Ward. Danny Ward, that's a shout. Alex, have you backed the Welshman? I have, yeah, I got Danny Ward as well. <laughs> Danny, Danny Ward, yes, obviously. I, being... I think the Italian keeper's probably a better keeper, but I don't think he's had to make that many important saves. Well, I think Ward has made some absolute incredible saves. I'm probably a bit biased being Welsh, don't get me wrong, but I think he's had a he's had an amazing tournament. He's really put himself in the shop window, I think, for a number one spot somewhere. Possibly a move from, well, he would have to probably move away from yeah, the yeah. Um, Leicester and he moves on to the obviously torn on the goalkeepers the defender situation now uh, Mr Lopez how many defenders did you play first of all okay I have a right back uh, right and uh, central right and uh, left center and a left one so four I'm going for four okay and your four are uh, Dumfries from Holland okay yeah. or Netherlands now uh, same team, delete. Yeah. Then Chiellini, 
Yeah. I'm from Germany, Gossens. Gossens, that's a, that's a very um, good shout there. I won't spoil it, but maybe a few um, same selections there. Alex, you next. I've gone for two of the same as Mr Lopez. I've gone for Dumfries and Gossen. But I, yeah. I, I, I've gone for John Stones, England. Really? He's, yeah, he's done, he's done well. He's been very calm at the back. And I've also gone for... This is the one I, I wasn't 100% about, and I've I've sort of ummed an ad, but I've gone for Cellini as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's three, yeah. three of the same, Mr Lopez. We obviously geniuses Wait. think together, you know. <laughs> uh, Matt, are you going to be a genius and agree with the other two? Um, well, I've agreed with uh, Dumfries. I've got Dumfries. Um, but my other three are uh, Benucci, so obviously Keelini's partner, um, yeah. Benazzola at left back, and uh, Tyrone Mings. Tyrone Mings? Why Mings, do you think? Mm. I just think he's been a little bit more impressive. Um, he's put in bigger performances. But I d- I obviously, I don't know if he's. He didn't start the last game, did he? No. So, I mean, you could, we, we use that against him, but I think when he's played, he's looked better. Lloyd, you're back fourth, three. Uh, I've gone very similar as well. I've gone for uh, Dumfries, Benucci, Delict, and Gossens. So a mix between everyone. You've got three of the same for me. And one of them, you may think, mm, why'd you gone there? So I went for Dumfries, probably one of the players of the tournament so far. Delict, brilliant for Holland. Benucci, brilliant for Italy. I went for Victor Lindelof of Sweden. I thought he's had a, a much better, brilliant tournament so far. Obviously, Sweden have kept, what, two clean sheets now? And I thought he's been brilliant. So I thought, chuck Victor Lindelof in there. Let's hope we can carry the form for Man United next season. So I give him the credit. He's been brilliant so far. And, you know, fair play to him. But you have got to mention, I think Laporte just about missed out and Thomas Mounier were my other two. That, and Joe Roden. You know, Shout out to Joe Roden. Joe Roden as well, yeah. Joe Roden chucking there as well that just missed the cut. The midfielders now, um, the the main man, well, you could say in some ways. I went for a free midfielders. The main man, of course, Kevin De Bruyne, um, Jeannie Wijnaldum, obviously ex-Liverpool going to PSG. And then I threw in Ukrainian star man Yarmolenko. Thought he's been brilliant for Ukraine. And possibly, well, I say possibly, will be key for them um, against Sweden in the knockouts. You, Mr. Lopez, your midfield? I have Locatelli. I think he's playing very, very well for Italy. Uh, We cannot forget Modric, no matter how old is he, that that guy. I mean, he's he's just like a classic player, you know. If I was a player, I would like to be like Modric. The way he sees the the game is just outstanding. And then... um, Bit forward by the still midfielder, I have the Swedish guy Forsberg, who is the, the, the one who has yeah. scored the, the most goal. That, that guy, I mean, he's now playing for Leipzig, but I, I think it's a matter of time until we see him in, 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 a, in a very good team. And also, he's trying to replace Slatan Ibrahimovic in the, in the Swedish team, and, and that, that is a hard thing to do, and I think he's doing very well. And the last one is Bignaldum, as you said. I think he's doing very well. Yeah, one of the top goal scorers um, in the Golden Boot race as well. Um, Max, you're next. Your midfielders. So I've got four. So I've got a centre defensive midfielder, two centre mids, and a centre attacking midfielder. 
So as a defensive midfielder, I've gone with um, Hoybier uh, of Denmark. And then yeah. I've gone for Locatelli as well, uh, Pogba, and then uh, Wijnaldum as well. Mm. I was going to go to Lloyd, but I think, Alex, have you got Paul Pogba in there? Agree with Max? On Paul Pogba? Lloyd, have you have you copied Max on any uh, selections there? Uh, I, I've gone for, I, I went for Locatelli. But I really liked. It. I went for De Bruyne, and then yeah, and I, I was going for Wijnaldum, but I went for I went for De Jong instead. And I think he's been a lot better. Like yeah, he has another goal scoring, but and I think his performances have been better. I, you know what, with that with that player Lloyd, uh, I'm still waiting to see that um, performance in Barcelona. I don't I don't think he's he's given Barcelona as much as everyone expected but now I see in the Euros you're right he's, he's doing way better than he does in his club yeah obviously you know a lot of players of well, Real Madrid obviously a lot of players struggle Barcelona as well but you know obviously next season could be De Jong's best season Alex let me guess have you got Paul Pogba in your team well I to be fair you guys are a bit more technical technicians of football where I'm just looking at players I think are good so I've gone for three midfields yeah Paul Pog was my first I think he's been <laughs> again holding France I know people say about Kante but no disrespect if you've got a good engine and can pass two yards that shouldn't put you down as a world class player so I've gone for Pog but I think some of his passes have been outstanding Kante not a world class player no what I'm saying is he is a world class player but I just think I'd rather a bit of flair I think no disrespect he's a bit more of a robot, that guy. He can do a lot of people no. can do what he does. No. He's so not. You, you look at you look at Claude Mac. Yeah, robot is a compliment. Yeah, it is. It is a compliment. Yeah. No, and not a lot Claude. of players can do what Kante does. They, they, they can. Claude McAlady did it throughout his career. Yeah, he didn't do that... anything speckle. He just gets the ball. Very clever mind. Passes two yards. Runs all day long. Brilliant. Totally brilliant. But I've just gone for just a bit more, perhaps flair. You know, so not. And that's why I think Pogba. I think Pogba's been. Under, I think he's been pretty good the three games. They've had three tough games. And I think he's done quite well, to be honest. Okay, and your other one? The other one is the same as Mr. Lopez Locali. Is it Latali from Italy? Locatelli. <laughs> and the other one I've gone for is a Italian fella, Insignia. Is it Insignia? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a great. I think jam. he's been really good. To be fair to him, he's. I think he's done really well. So that's my. I've only got three in midfield though. Max, you was the only one playing. Were you the only one playing a central defensive mid? You played. Who did you play there again? Oibier. Oibier. No Calvin Phillips in there. I mean, he's played a you know a good game, but obviously a fantastic game against Croatia. But um, no, I prefer Oibier. He's currently um, leading leading the assist charts, um, and he's been very impressive. And then we move on to the forwards. Um, I'll start off with the forwards. I went three. Best player in the tournament so far, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, brilliant for Belgium. And Memphis Depay of um, Netherlands, been brilliant so far. Um, Lloyd, we'll go to you next. You, your forwards. Surprisingly, I have gone for the exact same three. Me too. I've gone for the same. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Mr. Lopez, you went. Have you gone the three? I have two. Well? I have two. So I went for Ronaldo and Lukaku. And Lukaku, who's the other one? Uh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo, okay. Yeah. And you are uh, you, Max? Yeah, I went for Lukaku and Ronaldo as well. I don't think Ronaldo's been the best player of the tournament. 
Yeah, no, that, that, I want to say that. Really? It's one of those goals, but I mean... Yeah, like, it, what, three pens? Mm. Uh, that's, a, that's a Harry Kane World Cup. Yeah, uh, but hang on a second, Lloyd. You have to score the pens. Ask it's, uh, yeah, done, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, true. Right. Like, <laughs> you can't do it. Like, only been, what, yeah, there's like a terrible weight to that, isn't there? Yeah, it's like, is it three, four out of eight now? Three out of seven, three out of seven, I don't know. Like yeah, yeah, like I loads of miss. Ask, ask, ask the Gia as well, you know? Yeah, but at least, at least <laughs> Portugal, at least Portugal scoring penalties in like some countries. No, just <laughs> yeah, and Alex, your forwards. I don't for obviously Ronaldo and Lukaku and I gone for a mobile of Italy. I think he's been superb. I really like the way he plays. I, I think he, I think he's a player that could do quite well in the Premier League. I, I think his movement is just fantastic, and uh, I really like that guy. And I, I'm tipping him to be Golden Boot to come back and score a couple of goals to overdo Ronaldo. How old is Lukaku, guys? I think he's maybe 20. 28, 29. I don't know. You think he's? He's been for me probably the player of the tournament so far. Lukaku, if I'm honest, I think he's been outstanding. Yeah, yeah. three really good performances. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's put some real. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Like, don't get me wrong, Ronaldo never doubt his ability. No one could doubt his ability, but I, I don't think he's done much other than what obviously like you've got to score the penalties. But I, I think Lukaku's put three quality performances in. I, I really do. But obviously, Ronaldo is playing in a tougher group, so. You know, but I still don't think he's been playing the tournament. I said, not saying he won't be if obviously Portugal go on and win it, but um, at the moment, I think Lukaku's been my main man. Uh, go, correct me, uh, sorry, Leo. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I have the feeling that Lukaku's um, experience in in the Premier League was like be disappointing. I don't know. You 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 follow the Premier League more than I do, but I, I have this idea that that Lukaku didn't triumphed in, in, in the Premier League, if, if you know what I mean. Am I right to think so? Or... He didn't with Man United. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. with Everton, he was he was great, but with Man United, he was rubbish. Yeah. and well, well, he, yeah. He, was, he was like a complete different player at United, and then he moved to Inter. Like, he was famous <laughs> for, like, old Lukaku. Is it, is it down to the player, or was it down to, to, to Man United's system? Or... I think a system... The system we played, would you say, suited it? Possibly. I think it was more of like it was more of like um, his fitness, and I don't know whether it was like the dietitians or. But no, no, I, I remember when he left Man United and went to Inter, uh, they found he had a digestive system problem, and then they solved it, and Lukaku lost a stone and a half. <laughs> really? So like, yeah. So like, all like all the United fans, they were like, oh yeah, like they called him fat. Like he, he's posted about it. Like so like oh, like so they all called me fat, and it was literally because of the terrible medical team who couldn't find that out. That doesn't surprise me, man. United only gonna solve that was probably head of that medical team. you know, we'll we'll move on from from that swiftly as well. Before we go on to the knockouts, it's just Mr. Lopez's chance now to probably laugh at some of our predictions that we made at the start of the tournament before we talk about the knockouts. So we'll start off with you, Alex. Your Group A, you only had one correct position, which was Italy. You had Turkey, Wales, Switzerland as your other order. So obviously um, one correct prediction. Group B, you only had one correct prediction, right? Which was Belgium, 
spot on. And then Russia, Denmark and Finland. Obviously, Denmark finished second and Finland. Group C, spot on. Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine and North Macedonia. Really? And then Group D, you've got two right. England first, Croatia second. And you put Scotland third and Czech Republic fourth, obviously. You didn't know. Group E, you completely messed up. You put Spain, Poland, Sweden and Slovakia. Zero points or zero correct predictions. And Group F, you put Germany, France, Portugal and Hungary. Obviously, you got Portugal and Hungary in the, the correct order. And your third place qualifiers were Portugal, Sweden, Wales and Ukraine. Obviously, you've got Poland and Ukraine. Both Sweden and Wales qualified automatically. Um, so also, you know, if you add up using the Euro predictor system, you scored 36 points, 12 out of 49 correct so far in, in the tournament. <laughs> not that must bad. Do better, must do better. Yeah, <laughs> m- must do better. That's probably on, would be on your score report. But um, Lloyd, your next one was you did quite well in Group A. You had Italy finished first, it Turkey, which obviously you got wrong in second, Switzerland you got correct in third, and you put Wales last. Which but that, that I'm happy to be proven wrong. Okay, yeah, same with that. But you don't need to be proven wrong on Group B. You got it absolutely spot on: Belgium, Denmark, Finland, and Russia. So well done on there. Group C, you got absolutely spot on: Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, and North Macedonia. Group D, you absolutely Easy. got spot on: England, Croatia, Czech Republic, and Scotland. <laughs> Group E, you've got the bottom two teams, right? You had Spain first, Sweden second, Slovakia third, and Poland fourth. Group F, you had France correct at the top, and then you put Portugal and Germany, obviously, wrong way round, and Hungary bottom, obviously, you had correct. Then your third place qualifiers, Germany, Slovakia, and Finland, and Switzerland, which you had correct, obviously, the other three wrong. So, not bad day. You had, what, 19 correct so far, 57 points. In total there, which is, you know, quite decent, to be fair. Quite top of the leaderboard so far, but we haven't gone on to, to mine and Max's thoughts so far, Miss Lopez, on the predictions. Yeah, any no, but I'm, I'm any, impressed. Any surprised you? Yeah, it surprised me that um, Lloyd placed Wales last. Yeah, exactly. I, well, I, I was really negative towards us. Yeah, I, I can... I can it's it's I'm happy to see that it's someone as negative about the uh, <laughs> nation that I am with Spain. So <laughs> I didn't do quite as well. I scored thirty nine points thirteen um correct as well. In I group A spot on Italy, Wales, Switzerland, Turkey. Group B I had Belgium and Denmark correct and then I had Russia and Finland the wrong way around. Group C, I had the Netherlands spot on and then I put Ukraine and Austria obviously other way round. And North Macedonia at the bottom, I'd correct. I had the top two in Group D, right? England and Croatia, but then I put Scotland and Czech Republic. Group E, I had completely wrong. I put Spain, Poland, Sweden and Slovakia. Um, completely wrong. And now in Group F, I had France finish top, which was correct. And then Portugal and Germany, which were both wrong. And Hungary in fourth, which was obviously correct. And the third place qualifiers, I had Switzerland, Russia, Scotland and Germany. Obviously, Switzerland was was the only one right there. A lot of people were uh, very confident on Spain, Mr. Lopez. So Too much, guys. I don't know. I repeat it myself. Don't you know we play with Morata? Carry on, Lee. Well, you know, he, he did all right at Juventus, didn't he? So, you know, give him... 
give him some credit for for what he did. Um, at the things are, Max, we've actually lost your predictions. We'll we'll get that back. But no, I, I think I found them, but I don't think I want to send them to anything. Go on, let's let's get them, let's get them, let's get them. <laughs> we we might we might not want to see group. You might want to forget about group C. I I I, I they're so bad. Come on, go on. You can't. You, we got. We don't. We don't. These things. You have Group A. Oh, I sent. I, I sent it to you. I sent it to you. I, okay. I think Group A. You was positive on on Wales. I think, if I remember rightly. Group C. And we I suppose we have to read it out. But you know, let's just say you had the reverse order of what it was. That's the most positive thing we could probably say about Group E. So you had seven right. Twenty-one points. Incredible. Twenty-one points. Group A, you had Italy obviously finish top, Turkey, Wales, Switzerland, um, obviously Turkey finishing bottom, Wales second and Switzerland third. Group B, you had the top two right, Belgium, Denmark, but you had Russia and Finland the wrong way around. Group C, it didn't exactly go to plan for North Macedonia, did it? Austria top, North Macedonia, Holland and Ukraine. Where to go wrong for North Macedonia, do you think? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think I was maybe a little bit too hopeful um, <laughs> in hindsight, but you know the dream was there, and uh, it was a nice one lasted. <laughs> Group D: England and Croatia were spot on, and then Scotland and Czech Republic. I'll see the wrong way round. Group E, like myself, didn't have that one right. Spain, you had finished top. Poland, Sweden, and Slovakia. Group F, you had France correct. Portugal and Germany, obviously the other way round, and then Hungary finished bottom. And your third place qualifiers weren't exactly go to plan. You had Holland, Germany, Wales, Russia. Obviously, three of them went through automatically, and Russia um, went out of the the tournament. So you know, credible twenty-one points there. But I think we forget about Group C on for that matter as well. But we'll move on to the knockout predictions. Miss Lopez, we'll start off with you. Obviously, you know you agreed with some of the predictions. But how have you gone for the the first knockout okay. stages? So. Uh, quickly, because I need to go, Leon. So I'm yeah. going to say Wales-Denmark, uh, tomorrow's match. It's 2-1 for Wales. Yeah. Then we go into Italy-Austria. That's uh, 3-0 for Italy. <laughs> uh, Netherlands-Czech Republic. I'm going to go with Czech Republic. It's going to be a surprise, and it's going to be Whoa. 1-0. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, like, I like the Czech team a lot. Uh, Belgium, Portugal. That's one-one. Then they go into the extra time, uh, the aggregate. Sorry, uh, it's gonna be Belgium two-one. Mm-hmm. Croatia, Spain. It's gonna be Croatia uh, one-nil. Mm-hmm. And then we go France, Switzerland. That's four-one uh, to France. England, Germany, that's going to be 1-3 for Germany. Yeah. And the last one is Sweden, Ukraine, and that's going to be a 2-0 for Sweden. Oh, very, that's spot on there. So very predictable, apart from Czech Republic. Yeah, no Spain in the quarterfinals, no? No, no. Oh. Let's hope they prove you wrong anyway. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Max, you're round of 16. Um, okay, so going down. Belgium, Portugal. It's difficult 
Because I think uh, Belgium are, you know, they have a good, they do have a good side, and they did look better with De Bruyne, but they were quite poor uh, in you know in the first couple of minutes defensively. So I think for that reason, I think Portugal have the quality to take it, uh, take advantage of that. And um, I'd probably go with um, two, two one Portugal. Italy Austria. I'll probably go with yeah, I think three 0 Italy. France Switzerland. Two 0 to France. Croatia mm-hmm. Spain. One 0 to Spain. Sweden Ukraine. Two one. Sweden, Ukraine, 2-1 Sweden. England, Germany, 2-0 Germany. Netherlands, Czech Republic, 2-0 at Netherlands. And Denmark, Wales. Um, This is a difficult one. Um, 2-1 to Denmark. 2-1 Denmark. Lloyd, you're going to give Wales some some hope or are you going to say Denmark? Well, that, I, I know I said to you, I was going to go Denmark 2-1, but I'm now going to go one all, and I think Wales are then going to win it. They're putting in pens. And then I'm going to go 3-0 Italy. Uh, 1-0 Netherlands. 2-0 Belgium. 2-0 Spain. 2-1 France. 1-0 England. And then... 1-0 Sweden. Oh. And, you know, some possible same predictions. Yeah, I didn't actually work the score down, so I'm just writing my score predictions down now. So that's why we'll go to you first, Alex. Well, I'm not very good at this, as you can see. Um, I'm going to go nil-nil Wales, Denmark. And I'm going to go Denmark to win on penalties. Oh. I think Denmark beats on penalties. I think Italy will beat Austria 2-0. Um, who's the next one? Holland, Czech Republic, Netherlands. I'm going to go 1-0 Holland for that one. Mm. What's, what's the other one? I don't know. I written <laughs> Croatia, Spain. Oh, Croatia, Spain. It'll be a boring 0-0. Spain to win on penalties. Sweden, Ukraine. The boring 0-0. Ukraine to win on penalties. France, Switzerland. Uh, three, three, one, France. Belgium, Portugal. One, one, Belgium to win two, one after extra time. Netherlands. Uh, so, so you said Netherlands, chapter and finally England, Germany. It's got to be one, one, and then penalty shootout. I'll go England to win a penalty shootout. Really? Yeah, against the Germans. They got to do it at some point. Possibly. Finally got my scores in now. Round of 16, obviously, I put Portugal to beat Belgium 2-1. Italy to beat Austria 2-0. France to beat Switzerland 2-0. Spain to beat Croatia 3-1. Sweden to beat Ukraine 2-0. Germany to beat England 2-1. Netherlands to beat Czech Republic 3-0, I'm going to say. And Wales, Denmark is very hard. I'm gonna go two one Wales after extra time. I'm just gonna give some hope to Wales there. So, but it's, it's gonna be as we said, a very um, tough match as well. But before we end, um, talking about the group stage and going on to the predictions, there has been some news um, recently as well. 
Obviously, there has been fans at, um, for example, Wembley. I think there's been about 25% capacity, 22,500. They're now going to be allowing 60,000 for the Euro semi-finals and finals, which is brilliant to see. I was lucky enough to go and see Wales, Albania, um, or see a few weeks ago in Wales, his final qualifying game. And the way they return fans back to safety, uh, sorry, the safety of fans in, in the stadium is, is brilliant as well. So it is really good to be back in the stadium, whilst for me anyway, and to see fans back in um, stadium as well. And obviously, recently, we forgot to talk about it when we were talking about England, Jack Greenlish. Man City have put a bid in of £100 million for Jack Greenish. They obviously did the same for Harry Kane the other day. I mean, they're looking quite formidable now, Alex, with the amount of money they're going to be spending, obviously putting bids in for both Harry Kane and Jack Greenish. Well, I've heard they've put £150 million in for Kiefer Moore and Aidan Flint. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> that's, uh, that could rock the football world, you know, rock the football <laughs> world. But yeah, it does seem like... As I said, I've been told, reading, I don't know why I believe everything you read in the media, but I've been told Man United are going to spend 300 If If that's the case, looks like Man City are going to spend that amount. So, incredible spending again, really, isn't it? I just don't know how anyone can ever compete against these teams without the money they spend. It's, it's just phenomenal. But if you've got Arsenal going out spending £50 million on on a full-back, you know, that, that perhaps they're willing to spend as well. I don't know. It could be a, it could be a huge transfer... Um, window the next couple of weeks, couldn't it really? It could be huge. But if you put if you put Grealish and Kane in Man City team, can you really see them losing at all? You know, any I don't know. You can see them getting better and better, can't you? You know, it's it's, it's a bit worrying for the other clubs, but I don't know, it's I, I don't know. And I know you say Sancho, but he is a top top player. I think United have done well to sign him, but I still think there's a lot of of questions of, of United, as I said, um, you, you'd be happy to see Pogba go, which I think would be a big mistake. If yeah, you Pogba go. That's just my sign him, on, sign him, sign him on his new contract. I think he's been talked about being the most expensive Premier League player, and then you know, sell him. And I said a few weeks ago about the last week, I think spending the money on getting rid of Pogba and bringing a Jack Greenish. Obviously, looks like he could be going to Man City, or I think Aston Villa have opened up talks with him. But you know, sell poor Pogba, bring in. I don't know, a Calvin Phillips, someone, you know. Hold on, probably... swap Paul Pogba for Calvin Phillips. No, 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 no. Obviously, Paul Pogba's not going to go to Leeds. But I said, bring in, get rid of, I don't know, a Paul Pogba. And then you can spend the money on bringing in someone like a, a Calvin Phillips or a oh, Rand. Spend it towards, or spend it towards Harry Kane. I don't... That's what we need. We need a central defensive midfielder. And I think Calvin Phillips is probably one of the best we could possibly get. But why um, don't you want a DM who can play next to Pogba and then with Bruno in front? Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. yeah. Something like yeah, a, something like a Declan Rice. That's why I'm not complaining about Jaden uh, Sancho, but I don't think he's what, what we exactly need. I think we need a striker, so a Harry Kane. I think we need a centre-back, so a Ran. Obviously, as I said, Lindelof has been, you know, brilliant this tournament. But is he going to really be reliable, Eric? By the same, are they really going to be reliable when they both fit? Possibly not. Maguire's, I said, best Premier League defender last year, so obviously he's on good form. So a possibly a Ram to go next to him, a Sergio Ramos. I know, I think PSG are linked with him, but you know, and then you get a Calvin Phillips, who's been. England's one of England's best players this year. But if, so. but if you don't go and get a striker, all those players you've mentioned, I still don't think they're going to improve United, though, are they? That's the problem you've got because you have got to go out and get 
But apart from Kane and Haaland, who else is it out there to sign in in, in, a, in a striker of that ilk? There's not many out there. And as far as I can see, all those players you've mentioned are good players. But to me, until you get a striker, that's not going to improve your squad massively. You know, you, I, I don't. To be fair, you didn't have many problems last year keeping clean sheets, did you? It was the problem is you, you you didn't beat teams when you were drawing nil-nil. And that's what the player like Harry Kane will bring, is the fact that he will, he will keep scoring. So I think... It's going to be difficult for you, and as I said, I, I think I think your team will not be as good with Pogba out, out of it that it is in it, in my opinion. So that's what I think, anyway. Mm. Yeah, did you I say have... that Harry Maguire was the best defender in the Premier League last year? One of the best last. Okay, maybe. Probably second best. <laughs> second best. Like behind Ruben Diaz and won the best in, in the Premier League altogether. See, proving. Well, I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying. And United conceded 44 goals last year. You know, Spurs only conceded one more. I think I we can, we put yeah, it less. That's why I said. That's why I said <laughs> we need we need we need uh, we need someone like Aran or Sergio Ramos to come in and steady the ship with Maguire. Because obviously we're brilliant on the left, Wan, uh, Luke Shaw. Brilliant on the right, Wan Bissaka. You know, Lindelof and Maguire, they, that's sustainable. Maguire, probably, yes. Um, probably, yeah, Varane, I don't know, 50, 40, 50 million he'll cost. Calvin Phillips, probably about 50 million as well. Yeah, yeah. Calvin Come Phillips on. is in a DM. Oh, I, I, th- I think he can play, he play the role well for England. I think he'd be a good fit in there. He plays box to box for England. I he, just, doesn't, I'm not... he doesn't play defensive at all. He, play, he literally plays next to Rice. The reason he's good is because he plays, plays next to Rice. Exactly. That's why you should be over Rice. Yeah, that's De- right. Declan Rice is quality Declan Rice. He is a very. But, uh, De- Declan Rice is, he's let Phillips go and, and do all this funny. Yeah, you look at the league. De- Declan Rice has let Thomas Suchek and score 10 goals in the Prem. I'm, I'm not going to. You know what? I don't rate Declan Rice that highly. No, he's decent. He is. He is a decent player, Declan. Right? He's decent. Put next to Pogba. You can have Pogba playing to his best, uh, like saying quite deep, playing long range passes, and you can have Bruno as well. I, I really don't see why you wouldn't want that. You know, you know, I wouldn't want to go and spend eighty odd million how much Declan Rice would cost. But, but there's, a lot, there's a lot of problems now. I, I noticed that Rashford said he, he might need an operation after the Euros. We could miss the start of next season. Now he, so they were, San, Sancho would obviously cover and you'd have Greenwood on the right. I'm assuming Martial, Martial will go back up front. Yeah. yeah, but I still think you've got to get a striker. I, as I said, I don't know. I don't know what's happening with Kane. I don't know. But I still think you're going to struggle to, to, to topple teams like Man City. And I think Liverpool are going to become stronger. Obviously, Arsenal are going to become stronger. Chelsea, you know, I don't think Spurs will on 40 max this season. I think it could be a bit of a perhaps a... A horrid season for you guys, you know. I don't think you're gonna possibly push like you you will go into if you lose Kane and yeah, well. a few other players. But I, I honestly Back think, in. no, yeah, yeah. It's not I'm not saying you won't be there next season if you if you bring a good manager and you recruit well. But obviously replacing Kane's near on impossible, isn't it? Really, if you're honest, it's, it's yeah, it's near on impossible. So I don't know, Leon. I I do worry for you, and I'm not just saying that because you're a United fan. I, as I said, I. I, I just don't know. I, I think it's a bit mishmashed, all this United spending. There, there doesn't seem much structure to it, to me. I think you have to get a striker first, and the rest, OK, fits in later, but you have to get a striker. Well, next season, hopefully, 
I've, I've got season tickets, so I'll be able to go and see every game. And then hopefully it's, it's my luck that they improve anyway. So I can come on the show, a bit more cheerful. But you never know, obviously. Good luck with that one. Yeah, we got, see, like I said to you, Bruno Fernandes can't perform under Portugal, only performs under good man, just like Ollie. So I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just putting it out there. But, yeah. <laughs> As well, Arsenal close to making a, a sign in this week as well, on possibly next week, Lloyd, for fifty million. Uh, yeah, we're we're really close to Ben White, and yeah, like you said, the reporting fee is fifty million. Um, it's probably a bit like we're definitely overpaying, but I'd say probably about ten million. But that, I really like him as a player. Yeah, he's quite young. Like we're definitely going to get good resale value on him. Uh, he's perfect for for our centre back rotation. Like going into next season with him. Gabriel White to Saliba, hopefully, anyway. Uh, I think that's really strong and really good. I really like him as a player. It's good to see us actually doing business early. And I think it's, it's quite a statement signing, like putting 50 mil like that, like slightly overpaying as well. I think it is definitely saying, like, we have money for once, we're going to spend a lot. And outgoings go, obviously, Romo close to signing Rui Patricio and Granit Xhaka. Probably talked to Max about Roma. Happy to see Granit Xhaka go or will he be a bit disappointing? Uh, I, I still really like Xhaka. Uh, I think he's a really good player, but I, I, I'm also really happy to him go because I think, I think he really changes the balance of the team. Uh, but I, I think in, in Roma, you'll be, like, be really, really good. I think... Roma was signing Rui Patricia for about 10, 10 million, we'll chat on that, and Xhaka for about 15, 20, I think, is being branded around. I mean, two good moves are they for Roma, do you think, Max? Yeah, I'm really interested to see Roma, obviously, in De Mourinho. And I think, I don't know, something tells me that Mourinho could do well there because the Italian league is kind of a different beast. And I think Mourinho's play style could, could work out there a little bit more uh, than they did in the Premier League, obviously, and, uh, when he was managing Spurs. Um, and I think, you know, a good, you know, experienced player like uh, Rui Patricio could be really good. Um, and I think he's a good upgrade uh, for Roma. And, um, I mean, Granit Xhaka, I think, could also be, I don't know, he could also almost be, I mean, he, he's been fairly good. I think he's been kind of underrated. People do kind of, um, <clears throat> you know, villainize him a little bit, but he does offer uh, quite a lot of quality. Um, and I think that could really be seen in, a, you know, a slower league like the Serie A. So, yeah, I think... I think they're two good um, moves. I, I mean, maybe they don't look as you know ambitious, but I think they could uh, they could uh, turn out to be quite good for Roma. And staying before we go back to Arsenal, staying with Italian football, we may as well. AC Milan have signed um, Chelsea defender Fakir Tomori on a permanent deal for about twenty million. Is it 20, 20 million? Is it or a bit more than than that? Yeah, I think maybe twenty thirty million. I'm not sure. Thirty, obviously there. Um, from July the first permanent deal, as I said, obviously he spent the second half of last season on loan. I mean, first of all, good move for Tomori to stay at AC Milan permanently now. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I think it was a very good loan deal. He's been very good for AC Milan, uh, and I think it is quite of an interesting. It's interesting because obviously you know coming from Chelsea, and he wasn't bad at Chelsea. I think uh, Frank Lampard did quite like using him, and um, I don't really know. It's kind of unusual, uh, and especially that they have. Obviously, Rudiger was very good. Uh, Thiago Silva's a bit old, though. Christensen also was has been very good. It is kind of unfortunate that he didn't quite find um, 
kind of place there. But I hope that you know, he could maybe find his way into the England setup because realistically, out of the centre back options, obviously, I mean John Stones has been good this year, but in terms of you know the players that they've taken, I, I don't think there are many better than Tamori this uh, this year. I suppose maybe you know he he didn't play for the first half of the season, but you know I do think he he could find his way into the England team. And into Milan, staying with AC Milan, have bought. Um, well, I say bought. He's on a free transfer. Have bought. Um, have got in a, an AC Milan. Um, what I say, star midfielder from for Turkey, haven't they? Yeah, <clears throat> um, obviously channel log, channel log I don't know. It's difficult to say. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, it's an interesting move. Obviously, going for uh, obviously a rival player, but um, I think maybe. It, could have maybe been in, obviously, reaction to the news about Ericsson as well. Uh, obviously, an attacking midfielder who obviously looks like you know he could potentially, uh, you know, have his career ended. Obviously, sadly, but you know, in terms of signing in maybe a more creative player to kind of step in, um, I think you know it, it, it's a good signing, obviously, for the price. Uh, yeah, but it's I don't know something about doing the business with your rival. I don't know. It doesn't seem to either goes very well, and uh, the other team <clears throat> kind of gets punished uh, or it goes poorly um, and they kind of get villainized by both fan groups. Yeah, 24 million was the Tomori price. And finally, um, in Italy, bit of a, a really nice story, really. Um, Parmo signed uh, Gianluigi Buffon on a two-year deal. He returns to the club that he left to go to Juventus in 2001. They're now in Serie B, which is the equivalent of the championship over in England. I mean, you know, he's going to probably be starting for Palmer. I mean, you know, is that a good move for him? Or could he have possibly stayed at a Serie team or gone somewhere else, you think, abroad? I think he definitely could have stayed um, and kind of been maybe a, a you know, a, maybe a third choice or, uh, or a player of that sort. Obviously, you know, he's in his 40s now. He's getting quite quite past it. But, I mean, in terms of, you know, featuring, I think he could do a good job. But... I think it's more about that. It's obviously more about the experience that he brings. And um, it's unfortunate that we didn't see him win, obviously, um, the Champions League that he was looking for. But um, I think this is quite a nice move, quite a uh, sentimental move as well. And, um, yeah, I think he could offer something, obviously, outside of football as well, um, kind of coach uh, or almost, you know, console players. Uh, and I think, you know, I think he's a really good experience head to have. And, um uh, I think it can only do good for them. And finally, with Arsenal, you've been linked with Aaron Ramsdale um, coming in. Obviously, Sheffield United goalkeeper in the England squad as a possible backup because Matt Ryan looks like he could be joining Celtic. And then departures, Lloyd, obviously. Marseille are in talks with signing Matteo Guendouzi. I think Ben Fico interested because was he on Hertha Berlin? Was that where he was on loan last year? Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to say so anyway. I think he was one of the Berlin teams. Well, and apparently he's not part of Arteta's long plan, so a permanent deal or a loan with an obligation to buy would be um, probably the best deal. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale, can you see it happening? Uh, no, like I, I think it'd probably cost a decent amount, and I wouldn't really want him either because he's really not good. I think it says a lot about keeper, and they've been relegated uh, twice now, and now he's looking for another club again. So, so that I really don't want him anywhere near, really. Like, he's way too much for backup and they're not good enough for a starter. Relegate Arsenal, you never know. Yeah, um, well, if, if he joins. And Matteo Guendouzi, 
like he's, he's a really good player, but like he clearly has so many attitude problems. Uh, so it's if Arteta wants him to leave, you can you can leave straight away, no problem with that at all. And there's not really any transfer rumours to talk about with Tottenham, is it, Max? Because this year your managerial crisis, yeah. Manet Julian Lopetegui, obviously ex Real Madrid manager, Spain. Um, he turned down a move, obviously currently at Seville at the minute. It looks like. Obviously, you can all change. Um, you get in Nuno. Obviously, you rejected Crystal Palace a few weeks ago. I mean, it's probably Nuno or don't know where to go. Obviously, you said you'd on Nuno, but it looks like you are getting him, Max. Well, it's Nuno or nothing, really, isn't it? Um, uh, which is kind of like the NIF uh, tagline. But <clears throat> I, th- I think, you know, at this point, honestly, I was in kind of, uh, I bought into um, Fonseca, really, I think. Obviously, what what was kind of offered to him, unfortunate that um, it didn't pan out. And, and the thing is, I, I don't really, I don't understand approaching Lopetegui. Obviously, he's in a great job at the moment, <clears throat> and he's doing very well with them. So I don't really understand why they would approach him. But yeah, it, I don't know. Obviously, my only concern was the football uh, after you know playing. Obviously, the way we have for for you know a season or two, I would have liked to have seen some attacking free flowing football. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about Getting a man in, you know, who's obviously Premier League proven. Um, uh, in in the case of Nuno, uh, and kind of backing him, and and more importantly, backing the director of football. And if the director of football wants a manager, then you have to make sure that they get a man that they that they want in order for them to work properly together. Um, and I think you can't really ask for much more. Uh, obviously, you're so overdue as it is that you know you kind of have to um, to compromise. Uh, and I hope that he could. You know, build on on the good work he was doing. Obviously, he had a bit of a slump this year. Hopefully, he can get back to where he was before and and progress. You know, hopefully to um, top four, which is absolutely necessary. Um, there's no other way. There's no two ways about it, really. Um, as well, um, before we talk about one of the main deals, obviously we talked about Jack Greenish earlier, and before we talk about Jaden Sancho, we'll give Cardiff City a mention because you've been a bit busy in the past few days. In and out of the transfer window, haven't you, Alex? First of all, you've signed an Arsenal youngster, and I think you've signed someone else, haven't you? Tell us more. Yeah, we signed some guy from, I will say Arsenal, but he played in Ipswich, so um, some central defenders. Not Mark, Mark McGuinness, is it? Mark McGuinness, yeah, another Irish fellow. Can't really say I'm over the familiar about Irish players. I haven't exactly set the world alight recently, have they? Um, but they have signed that Ryan Wintle from Crew. I like the look of him. He's a box-to-box midfielder with a bit of energy, which is what we've been crying out for. So hopefully he'll slot in quite nicely. And we've already got James Collins, so be interested to see now. Will, will we keep all the key for more? That's 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 the problem. Will Will a Burnley perhaps come in with a ten million pound bid? Will someone like that, you know, come in and 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 take him? Hopefully not, but who knows. Well, he's looking. One player that I did see that is available for ten million, um, Nico Williams, Liverpool want to sell. Would Cardiff spend ten million on him? No, they won't spend ten million on a on a full back. They won't spend ten million on a striker. So, uh, no, I'd be amazed. But um, going back to Max, you know, you you were you Lloyd, you were you 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 unfortunately pulled up injured on this show. But I got <laughs> I, I got I had quite a bit of abuse from Max and Lloyd about Eddie Howe. Why will Spurs not take Eddie Howe? I, I think it's probably they, they they probably want to show a bit more ambition. Like you, you're looking at Eddie Howe. Like I I really rate him. Like and me. I, I think 
like I think he could be a good fit of space, but I think he's more of going like sacked by Bournemouth, turned down by Celtic, turned down by Palace, turned down by Everton, and whoever else. Oh, it I, is. Th- I think, like, I, think I think it just says it, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, like it, well, he's he's still not a job anyway, so. Because the way Spurs are going in the media, they're making themselves look so silly by be, being. Yeah, it's been like three I, months or something as well, like. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that obviously people are turning Spurs down, that people are making a mock of it. Spurs are a massive club, no matter what people say. But I still think Spurs give Eddie Howe a crack, and I reckon in two years' time, you've been in a better position than you are now, in my opinion. I, I don't I, think that would be hard. I, I, I think the, in, the if, England don't, if England don't get the semi finals, get rid of Southgate and bring in Eddie Howe. Oh, no, I, I want Lampard to get the England job. <laughs> um, but back on the card if you have let one of your strikers go Robert Glatzel he's gone to Hamburg on a permanent deal obviously last season he was on loan the second half of the season at Mines as well I mean sad to see him go no not really he was rubbish but he did show <laughs> glimpses of decent but apparently I don't know how true this is we bought him for 6.6 million and sold him for 450,000 I don't know if that's yeah. true because that's just media reports it but... is yeah if that's the case, that's just... And you wonder why Vincent Tan doesn't want to put his hand in his pocket. That's that's players we've lost money on, hand over foot, Cornelius, him, you know, Bobby Reed. we lost a million on. You know, you can see why Vincent Tan is a bit, whoa, I don't want to give you any more money because every sort of big signing we seem to make just seems to flop. It's just madness. The, the, the people we don't pay anything for, like your Saul Bambers, your people like that who've, who've sort of done well, you know, uh, but our big signings just been horrendous. He's probably thinking, I'm not giving Cardiff City any more money of my money to spend. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I, mm. I just find it bizarre how you could sell a player for literally five and a half million or six, five million less than you bought him for after two seasons. It just, it don't make sense to me. What well, does make sense in some way that Man United are close to signing finally Jaden Sancho. Obviously, we talked about it all last summer. It looks like it's happening um now as well i think for about 75 million it could be announced um next week as well it's been a very long process um as well we made two bids looks like dortmund are going to accept i think they want um that milan has obviously been belaying really well for um the netherlands i think he's a psg as well so that could possibly help if they get him and then you know sancho will probably leave them but you know, it's, it's looking a bit a bit more promising that we're getting one of our transfer targets. And like I said, possibly I don't think we should have spent the money on that. I think we should have gone out and got a Harry Kane, a Ravan, and then a, a Calvin Phillips. But you know, you not complaining. Double the, double the amount for Harry Kane. Oh, if you spent million on Kane, possibly fifty on Ravan. Calvin Phillips probably cost fifty. 40 as well. Yeah, but you, you don't know you're going to stop there. No disrespect. Mine United have threatened to spend, what, 350 this summer, haven't they? 350 million, they said. Yeah. So that could just be the start of it. You don't know. You Matt, know. We could have San- we could have San- Get a decent Carl manager. Phillips. Might as well pay that money off for a decent manager. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, oh, he's he's going to play Sancho at, uh, at, at centre-back, he is, I think. That's, that's right, he is. The form Victor Lindelof's in and Harry Maguire keeping clean sheets next season. Dean Henson for the Golden Glove, I say. Well, but that's like, it for the six. It's massive. 
you know, did I told you this? This I think this is their pivotal. If they don't get a good transfer window this off season, I think United are gonna are gonna fall again. And I've said that right from the start. And we'll leave you on that very negative note about Man United. But that's it for the St Martin's Football Show. All we can say is come on Wales against Denmark. But thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>